Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hashirat Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to discussing social justice issues. Today, we'll be discussing DACA and diversity and diversity and immigration. But before we dive in, let's do a quick check-in. I'm here with my girl, Tapiwa, and I feel mm-hmm. like I haven't, like, you know, sat down and talked with her in years, it feels like. How are you doing? What's up? What's up? I'm glad to be you know, back at the podcast, you know, since the last time mm. we've, you know, engaged I in know. a conversation. <laughs> um, pretty much it's just been a lot of studying, a lot of exams. Um, I don't think anything of note really has happened. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But sometimes, you know, life being a little uneventful yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of in the point of the semester where... I'm ready for it to be over. And like one of my friends was just telling me, like encouraging me, like, hey, a lot of the semester is done. Like you've chipped away a lot of the semester. So like just know that you're closer to the end than the beginning at this point, which is good because I'm ready for the semester to be over so that I can regroup and just like because I did summer school. Mm. So I feel like having that Christmas break will just be everything that I need to come back spring semester and just. Be you know, better, do be better. better, do better. <laughs> my clothes better, my shoes better. <laughs> Period. <laughs> How you doing, Mo? Catch us up. You know, I'm okay. You know, I'm stressed. Semester's stressful. I'm like, I don't want to say I'm behind in classes, but I'm not. But I'm just not, like, happy, like, where I stand with my studies and, like, mm. classes and stuff. So, I mean, just class, not classes. Physio, like, come on. Like, even stressing me out since on, the semester physio. started but um no we're okay i'm thankful i'm alive i'm here you know we're back at it again so i'm you know back at it like we never left like we never <laughs> left so it's, it's cool it's it's nice anyways without much delay we're gonna just dive into today's topic which is daca and that stands for deferred action for childhood arrivals according to berkeley article DACA is an administrative relief that protects eligible immigrants who came to the United States when they were children from from deportation. DACA gives undocumented immigrants protection from deportation and a work permit. The program requires that DACA status and work permit be renewed every two years, which is kind of crazy, but we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Many immigrants in the U.S. are affected by the lack of clarity and protection in the U.S. immigration system. And that just brings me to, like, ask a quick question. How can immigrants, undocumented or not, be supported more, would you say? So that whole two years thing, you uh. said we're not going to talk about it. No, we're going <laughs> to talk about it, okay? Um, so, we should. Yeah, we should. I think immigrants could be better supported through the immigration system um, as far as it being more ethical and also um, – not as financially straining because I feel that, yes, I do realize government workers go have to go through the process of going through the paperwork. But, you know, when you're looking at DACA and there's many other programs like it, um, I think there's TPS, which um, is also known, um, I guess, to be uh, quite frank. It's known because of the uh, Haitian community that had to come to the United States because of all of the um, unrest and natural disasters that have gone on in Haiti. 
and TPS has been in the news and they've kind of talked about TPS and DACA kind of together and they're both programs to um, help relieve, you know, certain immigrants. But it's on a two-year basis, so that's really hard. Um, And so every other year, if you're a DACA recipient, you're paying $495 to stay in the country, to not be deported. And that is very strenuous on an immigrant, especially speaking on DACA recipients, because, you know, they come from families that are most likely undocumented people and, you know, aren't able to have access to, you know, high paying jobs to have all this money to be paying 495 every other month i mean every other year not every other month every other year and you know that's almost a thousand dollars like every two years every other year so you only get like one like next year you're not gonna pay but the next year oh you have one thousand dollars to do and it's it's so not one thousand but you 495 and then like basically every two years you're you're going to have spent um, over a thousand dollars, depending on if you are getting legal fees um, from like a lawyer, an attorney. You know that money adds up, and I feel like that's Definitely. not fair to immigrants. And then another thing, I feel like the processes are so long. You know, I think that immigrants could be better supported if these like processes to become whether it's a permanent resident or a citizen, if those processes didn't take so long, or like even when people get married to somebody who's a U.S. citizen and they're an immigrant, that process takes so long for various reasons. But sometimes I think the timeline is just, you know, to weed out people and make it less accessible. Yes, I definitely agree because I'm not a DACA recipient, but I am like on the asylee asylum but i'm not because like you also like you said the process the process for this i you i have to wait i've been like under asylum or um for about five years and like to i'm not fully under asylum because it needs to be granted but i do have like a work authorization and like a social security number but the process to even grant the asylum you know makes me which would allow me enable me to uh you know get gain um financial aid from school has not been granted so that process has been taken so long and it's so stressful and straining is like you said it's hard to you know just just sit there and just like it's like you're waiting for something that you don't know if it's going to happen because like you said they i feel like the process is just to weed out people like just to take people away from from the U.S. and not, like, you know, keep them in the system or something. It's like, you know, so, like, I, I get where you're coming from because I kind of relate on some some level. You, you have know? you ever heard anyone, maybe not ask you personally, but maybe just in general, have you ever heard someone say, like, oh, why can't, you know, people just do it the legal way, you know? I know. And, and they, and, like, when you are doing it the legal way, people don't realize, like, how how long the process is. I remember I was talking to someone and they were like, you mean it costs money to become a citizen? And I was like... Oh, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the privilege you get. Obviously. Like, <laughs> they like, were like, I thought it was free. And I'm like, you know how many people would be in line? I'm saying it's not free. <laughs> it like, free. to renew the work work authorization card or whatever, you have to pay fi- almost 500 every 
two years, that's what I have to pay. As, and it's like, you know, every two years for me to work, for me to be able to work or even get an apartment or something, I need like that card that kind of basically freaking holds my life, <laughs> my life in it. And it's like, if I have to pay for that, and you, like you said, there are people asking, oh my God, you have to pay to live here? Yes, I have to pay, unfortunately. I wish I didn't. Like, can maybe the system has to change? You know, it shouldn't take this long for me to, you know, have, I wouldn't say other rights. Maybe I would say other rights as other people. Like, I'm also human, just like you are. The only difference is you were born here, and I wasn't. Like, what else do you have on me? You know, like, do, do, you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, and I, I get exactly what you mean. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that immigrants sacrifice so much to come to this country. Um, you know, whether, no matter what type of immigrant you are, whether you're undocumented, whether you're um, a DACA recipient, whether you're a SILI or what, you know, whatever type of immigrant, even if you're currently a permanent resident and, or even those who are U.S. citizens who just, who, um, came from another country and then became U.S. citizens. I think one thing that can pull us all together is that you s you do sacrifice certain things to come to the United States, whether people acknowledge that or not. Like, I hate to say that, like, I'm very careful to say that people came here for a better life. I like to say they came for a different life because when you're leaving, no matter how war-torn, no matter how, like, the country that you're coming from doesn't have opportunities there's still possibly family that you're leaving behind a culture you're leaving behind familiarity languages food everyday things like those are things that i think sometimes people who um have lived in the united states for generations and don't ever experience that or haven't talked to an immigrant about that you know it just it's just something that, you know, we need to be more cogniz cognizant of. Like, just because someone um, has more opportunities in the United States now doesn't mean there's not elements that they miss from where they came from. And it needs to, you know, be acknowledged that, you know, you're coming for different opportunities. And can you fault people for wanting to come to the United States? And that brings me to my next question. Why do you think it's so hard to come to the United States? Because I know um, people say, like, especially with people at the border, why can't they just wait in line? Why can't they just, you know, do it the right, quote unquote, right way? Um, why? And then for those who overstayed visas, why? Why did you stay? Like, why can't you just do it the right way? And you know, is there a barrier, you think? Um, I definitely think the United States as, like, a system. Like, I feel like they want to stick to it. And if not stick to it, they want to make it, like, stricter, if that's the word. Mm, like, they, yeah. they want to make it, like, harder for, I don't know. There's this, like, oh, like, um, I don't know. I, I forgot. I don't know what's the word. But it's this, like, oh, coming to the United States, you're guaranteed a better life. You know, that 
cold and it's i think um i feel like it's it gets to america's head sometime because like oh you know you come to my country like you're gonna get a better life you're gonna get a good job and like so then they make it harder for other people to come because they're kind of selfish it looks like they're selfish maybe they're not but like if you want to make it so hard for people to come to the united states because you have like this endless process and i understand they have to take you know like procedures and precautions like i understand that they don't want to just let people of you know just random people into their country i understand but when they've proven themselves time and time and times again to obviously just want to stay here for just you know to gain that american dream or better you know experience why are you making it even more difficult for them to you know have a better life why why i like i just think it's mostly a fault on american system more than it is like us like the immigrants you know like they they had to leave family like you said i had to leave family like i uh, i honestly I mean, when I when I came here or when I like my parents brought up the idea of coming to the United States, I was happy. Like I was kind of like I was excited, but I was also scared because obviously it's I watch, you know, I used to, I grew up watching um, High School Musical, like watching all these shows and TV. And it's like, oh, my God, look at what they're doing in America. And it's like, wow, I want to go there sometime and just, you know, but I just be like one of them. But I didn't realize how much. What I had to sacrifice to come here, I didn't realize that I wouldn't be able to go back to my family, like until I'm, you know, a prominent resident or like a citizen or something. Like I can't go back to Nigeria as much as I want to, because now I'm stuck here. I guess I am getting better education. I guess I guess I guess I'm gonna, you know, make a good career out of my stay here. But it's it's still hard to think about, like, you know, having to leave that familiarity you know just being thrown in this whirlwind of just of new things and new people and just trying to gain that familiar familiarity back you know it's harder and it's definitely difficult because i spent 11 years in nigeria and honestly that's it's been better than i don't want to say better but it's different from the u.s definitely you know like I, I felt like one of them because I was one of them compared to here in comparison, you know. I'm not a citizen, you know. I'm I'm Nigerian. I'm not, I did not grow up here. So it's just, it's different. Like, yeah, and I, like, I like, I want to touch on that piece and I like what you said about, like, what you, you know, the people that you can't see because while you're sorting out your immigration thing, you kind of have to wait it out so that you can be able to travel and see family again once you get um, whatever documentation. And when you're a DACA recipient specifically, um, you have this thing called advanced parole, and you can only travel if you are, um, for education reasons, if a family member, and it has to be like more of a close relative that is like really sick, like ailing, kind of on their deathbed or just like you know just in a critical condition health wise um or uh, i think for funerals and then for um which funerals i've heard can be kind of 
it's it just depends on like if the government's in a good mood like if you're gonna you know get the opportunity um or for um humanitarian work if you're you know volunteering with an organization to go and provide relief um you know to a, a country that needs it so those are the reasons why I could travel and I've honestly never left the United States since I've come back. A lot of people don't eat. Oh, I just, I just said it. I'm, I'm a DACA recipient guys. I was going to reveal that later in the episode, but I'm going to say it now. Um, so I'm a DACA recipient and I am not able to go back to the country I came from. I came when I was like really, really young. So I relate to that where you, 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 you're waiting for your, you know, stuff to, to work out, your immigration process to take its course. And in the meantime, like, you're definitely se- separated from family. Um, I'm lucky that I've had, you know, my grandmother lived with us for a few years and was able to, like, she would come and visit. She would go back and come, you know, and come back every few years. Um, and I've had aunts and uncles that have come to visit. And then half of my father's family lives here. So I do have cousins. I even have so many cousins here that there's some cousins that I don't, really know um that are here so i do have family here but i still have so much family back home and you know even some people that have passed away in the time since we've been here Mm -hmm. which is 22 years um and i just want to touch on the fact like my mom like she never got to see her parents since she came here and they passed away during the time that we've been here so you know immigrants across the board like even people who i know who are u.s citizens like it's sometimes it's still hard to leave to go back home for different reasons um not necessarily sometimes immigration wise but maybe the country that you came from is war-torn like i have a friend from afghanistan and there's a lot of unrest there he's not able to go back because it's not safe um so you know those are just some of the struggles that immigrants face you know, hadn't being separated from family. And my mom actually a year ago got to, um, her sister came after not seeing her for 22 years. So I just want to acknowledge if there's any immigrants out there, DACA recipients, um, asylee, whatever, like if you've been separated from family because of immigration, my heart goes out to you and, and we definitely feel your pain. So I also noticed that among DACA and undocumented immigrants and you know sometimes immigrants in general black people are not represented an article by dr halifu osamare says immigration is not a mexico u.s problem but it's a multicultural issue with daca affecting immigrants from all nations including black ones a, a 2017 center for american process survey of undocumented americans by race listed them to be 3.5% Asian, 1.7% white, and 1.1% as black. Although 92.6% are Hispanic Latino, the seemingly small percentage of black immigrants from Africa and Caribbean represent over 12,000 people. Why do you think there is less representation in immigration of, of other races when it comes to the issues within the immigration system? That's a really good question, Sophia. Like, do you feel like when you see immigrants, like, do you feel like how they're represented in the media? Like, do you see black immigrants being like shown? Honestly, I think the U.S. 
choose what they want to show to people like let's say there was something good i mean i'm not okay don't make i'm not painting u.s united states as bad definitely yes i do recommend coming to the united states if you have the chance do come here there are lots i mean lots of opportunities you know but um i do they are really picky with what they want to what they present to people what they show in the media you know like i guess yes maybe they you know try to represent you know other races but i think it's something they choose to do like they don't want to have other races i don't i don't know why i honestly can't even answer the question cuz this is something I'm, I this is really something I want someone that's in the system to answer. Like why 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 is this, mm-hmm. you know, you do know what I mean? Like someone that's, you know, I mean, the, part of me feels like like for instance, I remember um when the borders needed to be closed because of the pandemic. Like the first countries that were closed off to were black and brown countries. And I was just like how come like other countries aren't like European countries aren't on the list? And then another like article I read, it was talking about how like, um, you know, like we're so what we were so welcoming as a country to have Ukrainian, um, you know, immigrants come in after the they pick and choose. yeah the war. And then, like, how did people react when it was time to welcome, like, people from Syria or Afghanistan to come for, like, asylum They here? really pick and choose who they want here. Like, they, I don't know. I think it's just something that has to do with picking and choosing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, they're so inviting and so welcome to Ukrainian. And then it's like, then why don't you just keep the same energy for other people who are also in need and also, like, going through hard stuff in their country, you know? And it's, why? Why, America? Why? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if it benefits them, then... Yeah, then it's good. But if it doesn't, like, there's, like... Because at the end of the day, they just just want what's best for the country in whole. And I guess that's people who are also in the country. Like, you also get the benefits. You reap the benefits because they are doing it for the country. And if it affects the country, it affects you. Yes, I understand that. But they kind of... Before before anybody else, they put the country first, if that if that makes sense. Like, they... If you are not, like, you know... If you are of no help or benefit to the country, like, you're most likely... You're more less likely to be openly welcomed into the country do you get what i mean i get what you mean and you know it's just really hard to keep up with you know all of the the immigration issues that come from all these different countries and everybody's you know experience is so different um and that brings me to in recent news on july 16 2021 um Judge Andrew issued a ruling holding DACA to be unlawful and granting a permanent injunction vacating the original 2012 memorandum and preventing U.S. uh, citizenship and immigration services from approving new applicants to the DACA program. The final rule um, for DACA just recently became effective that that it's going to still be um, in process but it still leaves a lot of DACA recipients in limbo. 
This became effective on Monday, October 31st. The regulation had previously gone through a notice and comment process, this process that was never applied to the DHS memorandum. However, it is unclear whether the rule would overcome Judge Hansen's substantive concerns with DACA program, which is why he initially, um, which is why initially he was suing the states for allowing DACA to go on. Many DACA and undocumented immigrants have become somewhat fluent in immigration law jargon and those that struggle to understand the meaning of these changes in the law struggle. Oftentimes spending so much money in legal fees to understand their rights as laws change for DACA every year. It's not fair because many immigrants don't have the resources. Many people argue that immigrants, especially undocumented ones, are stealing jobs. Have you ever heard someone say that? Like, immigrants are stealing jobs? No. This is actually my first time. Really? This is something I've seen in many headlines over the course of my entire life. I feel like... What does that mean? Like, what do you mean you're stealing jobs? So, Representative Pete Sessions made a comment about that on the article for NPR. uh, And NPR quickly debunked it. Um, A businessman interview said, I think the primary thing that we would argue against the representative sessions claim at this point is we are at a full employment with job openings at this point in history. And basically during the pandemic, which I think um, DACA recipients are about 700,000 altogether. Um, and we needed a lot of essential workers in healthcare in the field. And it goes to show how important it is for policy to be made to protect these DACA recipients. I've heard it said that, you know, undocumented people or immigrants are stealing jobs from people because they feel like they everywhere they go now, there's immigrant workers. And sometimes in situations like I remember hearing it a lot when people saw there were a lot of immigrant workers at McDonald's. Because now there was a language barrier. They, the people, you know, if you're an immigrant and you're just some immigrants, you know, don't ha- they come from really hard times and they're just trying to make it. So they'll get a job at McDonald's and, you know, they'll they're working towards, you know, growing in the country and, and you know, establishing themselves. And people aren't understanding of that. And then they get upset when the person doesn't really speak good English um and you know and they're or sometimes it's that the person is fluent in english but they have an accent and they feel uncomfortable so that's where i've heard it a lot when at the time like there was a influx of immigrants working in the restaurant business um and then i've heard it when it came to you know whenever there's like a recession um and jobs are kind of scarce i've heard people make comments like you know, all the all these immigrants are taking jobs, which is, and a representative said that who's supposed to be representing, you know, our country. That's crazy because I think people forget to realize that immigrants are like just extremely hardworking. I think the word is you're not stealing jobs, but they need the jobs and they str- they work hard for the job. You know, a lot of them don't even can't even like speak you know good english because they probably like immigrated here when 
they were like older age maybe 25 30 you know so they and they've probably spoken you know a different language their entire life so people were just like very uh what's the word jesus christ ignorant yes that word ignorant and it's like why would you say like they also have families to feed they have mouths to put food in you know and the the bare the minimum what they could get is getting a job at like mcdonald's or getting a job at like walmart and pe- people have the audacity the the nerve to say you're still in jobs when in reality they're just they they need the job and they're and my say are good at the job they, the job might not pay well but they put they try to put in that work they put in the hours they work overtime and people who are lazy like people who think other people are stealing jobs don't want to or kind of just like surprised by it and it's like damn how can i make this person feel less of themselves and just say oh you're an immigrant you're still in the job when you yourself won the job, but you, you're not able to put in that much work. And I know it might just be like, you know, a fast food restaurant or like somewhere, you know, they don't really need much of education, really. But the fact is, you still need to have that work ethic. And people lack that. And a lot of immigra- Im- immigrants have that, you know, that work ethic because they did not come to this new country to sit on their behinds and just look. They're not that privileged, you know. They have to work twice, if not three times as harder as other people who are citizens who can just, like, you know, who have the opportunity to, you know, get whatever job they could get if they put in that work. Right, and speaking of working twice as hard, um, it's so interesting s- discussing this topic as a DACA recipient myself, as an immigrant. Um, I remember when I was in high school and, you know, I was it was my senior year and I'm getting ready to go to college. Um, and, you know, at that time, when you were doing an application online, when you got to the, s- the application screen um, on the page where you had to put in your personal information, like your social security number, at the time I did not have one. I had a ITIN number, which is a tax identification number. Don't get me started about immigrants and taxes. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but, yes, they girl. make sure that you can pay your taxes. You but they don't girl. have a Social Security number. But they'll make sure, like, you won't get a Social Security number, but mm. here's that tax identification like I said, number. I just want to benefit America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, it's my senior year, and... I like when I'm doing the application, I can't get past that screen because I don't have a social security number. Mm. So I could not finish my college applications online because it just wouldn't let me go to the next page. Like I couldn't skip. You know how like when you have a field and it turns red and you can't like go past it. So, you know, honestly, back then it was very devastating because they don't even have like. um, Like back then when you were doing scholarships, you had to be like either permanent resident or U.S. citizen or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a whole list of the the kind or the types of immigrants that are eligible for financial aid um, or even to go to college in general at that time. Fast forward to now, there's a little bit more understanding for immigrants. But I remember, you know, even in recent years, applying for scholarships and like getting that rejection letter saying that it was because of my immigration status that I didn't get the scholarship, when it's like you didn't put that as a stipulation 
in the scholarship. And I think like there just needs to be more done so that, you know, immigrants can be able to, you know, go to school because you do have to work twice as hard, have the grades mm. to stand out. Um, so there's a new um, possibly a program that their Biden administration has been kind of talking about. There's like rumors about this program and in it, it, it you may be required to get a college degree to get the like this into this new program that would be like DACA. Do you think that stipulation is fair? Like even across the board, even not just to DACA, like if they were to say, you know, yeah, you can get your um, status here in the United States, but you have to have a college degree. Like how would you? That's that's wild. Com like did they not realize how expensive college is and like as an immigrant like you probably don't the don't have the opportunities to like get the finances to pay for it like like you were saying you know um working twice as hard and not being able to get the financial aid or whatever i actually went through something so like similar because i always had got good grades in high school you know like, I'm Nigerian, it's in my blood at this point. But, like, so getting good grades, you know, doing my work, passing classes compared to now. <laughs> um, and when it, time to, when it came time to, to fill out scholarship applications or maybe even school, college applications, um, there was just always the requirement that says to get the scholarship, you need to be a permanent resident or like a citizen and it's like okay i've checked every other list in this box like i have the minimum of 3.0 3.5 gpa i have that yes i have my resume i have my trans you know i have everything but then it always comes down to something might be so little mm. but it's just that just stops me from going to from or like getting that scholarship or being able to come to school and not worry about paying for, for um, you know, college tuition. And it's like, so if if a stipulation is, you know, having DACA recipients, you know, get college degrees, I don't, I don't see how that's fair when they know, like, a lot of, like, colleges require a lot of money. Like, college is not, is not cheap. And to find that money, you probably need to have some sort of uh, status in, you know. Exactly. You know, in, in the U.S., you need to, there's always something you got to give to get, I think. Is that is that the same? <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy and that. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the federal aid thing. Like, do you think it's fair that even though, like, because you work, right? Yeah, I work. So you're paying taxes, right? Pretty much. <laughs> so do you think Girl. it's fair that you don't get to participate in federal programs like financial aid or you know even we're paying towards um social security it's so which unfair. yeah it's but what, say if we were to like stay in the same immigration status the rest of our lives um hopefully not. It, hopefully not but just imagine like if you retire because there are people who are in that situation where mm -hmm. they're in retirement age and they're not a permanent resident or a citizen and they've lived in this country 
for many years and paid taxes for many years, but they want to retire and now they can't tap into social security that they paid into. It's, it's just so unfair. Like, cause if you like, imagine, like you said, we just stay in this, you know, status or something. And then it's like, Okay, and maybe at the, like, maybe when I'm 50 or something, oh, yeah, girl, you're a citizen now. But all those taxes that I paid for how many years, 20, 25, over 20 years, um, do I do I get the benefits? Like, you, so it's just, it's crazy and wild to think you're most likely, you're not most likely, you're just not going to get all the taxes on, 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 until you're a citizen or a permanent resident or something, you're not you're not gonna reap what you sow. I mean, you're, you're not, not exactly sowing it, but like <laughs> you're not you don't get no, and it's so unfair. Like I and can't usually even get financial aid, right? You know, and usually immigrants are like taxed a lot more, and like especially you know a lot of immigrants, you know, kind of struggle when they first come, or even just in general, depending on the type of immigrant, um, and you can't get like know food stamps or any other aid that's from the government and that brings me to my last point is like how can we be more supportive of immigrants DACA recipients asylee um you know immigrants on this campus like what can we do to make sure that you know immigrants don't fall through the crack because there's so many things that so many resources that they're kind of you know barred from because of immigration status. Yeah, I I think like the first thing first, at least at least the most genuine step you could take as someone that's not, you know, one like not an immigrant or like you've been here your whole life and a citizen or whatever, it's to be first of all, be less ignorant. Like it does not take nothing out of you just to be more like respectful and just understand other people. I maybe not understand, but at least be open to be it. open to it. I don't I wouldn't say pity or be sympathetic, but I would just like just, you know, be understanding. You know, like just don't be less ignorant, first of all. Second, I also think like, um I why a lot of like scholarships don't like, you know, require I mean a lot they do require citizens. I feel like they sh- citizenship. I feel like a lot more we need more type of funds or financials, something that that's just based on how you're doing academically in school. Are you, how well you succeed in school? Like, what does me have to? Why do I have to be a citizen for me to get a scholarship? Why can't you just judge what I, the scholarship I get from how well I do in school or how well I do at the interview? You know, that's something we need more of on campus, definitely. Because like I know a lot of people, including me, will still have to find the money to pay for tuition because other a lot there are too much scholarships that need that has this requirement of be a citizen or or not and it's like you can't like going to the army you can't go to the army unless you're some like you're a citizen it's like why does it have to do with campus i mean it kind of does because if you go to the army you obviously they pay for your tuition so it's like just having more of that opportunities to immigrants and like DACA recipients, asylees, refugees, and have it like letting, giving them the opportunity to be able to fund for school without the whole citizenship status stuff. 
you know yeah especially if you're you know paying taxes i feel like you're you're literally paying into the country and you've sown your roots here and especially also if you're you know benefiting your community just being a good person not necessarily being the top dog having the the businesses or um having the college degrees because immigrants come in all different walks of life and backgrounds but i think if you're um contributing to your community and just being a good neighbor you should be supported um and on-campus resources for um, DACA or immigrants, there you know, t- check out the international office, um, and there's specific um, offices for international students. Then there is the Multicultural Center, which has a DACA specialist, which is the director of the Multicultural Center. Karina um, is the DACA specialist. Or, and even going to any professor or office on campus really a lot of them do um, know like how to point you in the right direction depending on what your needs are as an immigrant and definitely coming to the multicultural center you will be embraced and you'll be welcomed and it can be a safe space for you and also don't forget about CAPS our mental health resources where you can um, see a licensed therapist and just work out any, you know, stress that comes with being an immigrant, you know, whether it's going through the process of immigration or just seeing in the news, especially if you're a DACA recipient, um, all the changes that happen, which seems to be like every other month, there's a new change to DACA. So just make sure you're keeping your mental space, mental health healthy, and also utilize as many resources on campus. Well, thank you so much for listening to Hash It Out podcast. I'm Tapiwa. And I'm Mo. And we'll see you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we will see you in the next podcast. Bye bye. Bye.